no, that's good. I mean, you guys, this is obviously you guys have some passion for what you're doing here, and and you're doing a good job. And again, just keep plugging away. And the thing is, you know what? A lot of people are going to tell you, "Oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you won't be successful." Ah, don't listen to those people. Uh-huh. You know, if you if you believe in your heart, this is what you like to do, and and yeah, you, you enjoy it. Keep hammering away at it. And you know, it's it's about persistence. Everything in life is about persistence. It's always it's easy to give up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone can go and curl up in a ball and suck their thumb and feel sorry for themselves, but just keep going. Just keep putting one foot ahead of the other. I'm doing good, man. It's a little early morning, early morning. You know, I needed mini my morning coffee to get me started throughout this day. Yeah, I did. We woke up. We woke up pretty early. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was like 4:30 a.m. that I woke up to get Same. here. I got the alarm. I got your guys' text saying good morning. <laughs> so <laughs> had to get up out of bed. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's we got snow, man. We got Finally. snow. That's what we got. Bro, people would like complain about not having snow. And then we finally got snow. Now I got like I got a Snapchat for this morning. Someone's like, "Oh, why is there so much snow?" Yeah, but it's 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 a love hate relationship with the with the snow in Winnipeg. <laughs> it's not Winnipeg without snow, though, right? <laughs> True. It's Christmas time. Christmas time. So welcome back to the Tool for Rise podcast, where we document the rise and stardom of Winnipeg's talent and personalities. If you're listening to us audio only on UMFM or Spotify, thank you so much. And if you're joining us on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. We got a new location today, boys. It's, it's not is, in their usual studio. This is not a regular place. This is a whole different setup. Where are we at, though? Uh, I think we're at 2292. 2293. 2293. Sorry about yeah, that. No, all good. Portage, Portage Avenue. Well, speaking of Portage Avenue, let's bring on our guest for today. Um, people may mistake him for Gordon Ramsay of Winnipeg. And uh, let's bring in our guest. He is the owner and the mastermind, mastermind behind San Vito Coffee House. Please welcome Jordy Wilson. Oh yes, thank you. Wow, the crowd's massive in here. <laughs> yeah, we, we got go. we got yeah. live live studio audience. Yes, there we go. <laughs> well, thanks so much for inviting us. First of all, to your place, and I know this is your home. This is your yeah. second home. So thanks so much for having us. Well, I, thank you for coming. I want to I want to get right into the conversation here. And uh, first question I'll ask you is basically, how did it come up? How did you start uh, San Vito? Well, actually, a guy I used to play football with, um, his name was Bruce Coverton. So what happened was I had been in, I'd owned some Subway restaurants and whatnot, and mm-hmm. so I kind of had that background. And Bruce was going down to Costa Rica all the time. And he was actually, uh, he was involved with offshore gambling, which, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> it, it was legal what he was doing, but whatever. But anyways, he used to always bring back this Costa Rican coffee. Yeah. And it was really good coffee. And then, uh, so from that perspective, we actually started selling it as a fundraiser originally. So people could, if you had a sports organization or a band or whatever, they would sell the coffee and they, you know, they could make some pretty good money selling coffee for us, et cetera. And, you know, they have their, that's kind of how that coffee piece evolved. And then I was getting out of Subways because I had owned one in Thompson, wanted to sell it. And as I sold it, we figured, ah, you know, let's see if we can kind of marriage, you know, the, the food piece of it with the coffee together. Yeah. And that's uh, kind of how it evolved. So. so, so is he like your business partner, or he's how? not involved anymore at all? No, like actually, he was early, okay. and uh, no, he's not involved anymore. But that's kind of how we got into the coffee piece of it. Yeah. So he just brought up, he just brought home some coffee for you. Yeah, basically, and it was really good coffee. So it's yeah, from <laughs> Costa Rica, and hence the the, te- the term San Vito. Okay, is the town 
where we used to actually buy the coffee direct from the farmers right there. So that was the closest village, basically, to where the coffee was grown. So that's why it was called San Vito. Oh, have you ever have you ever been to San Vito? I, I to Costa Rica, I or have. Costa Bruce has been there a number of times, or had been there a number of times. I had never gone. No, I, I'd actually like to get down there, but uh, it's kind of one of those things. Now, maybe I have some time to get there, but we can't go anywhere right now. Ah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 supposed to be a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they say sometimes people have referred to Costa Rica as a a sunny place for shady people, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, I'd love to get down there. So what were the star- struggles? What are the, some of the struggles that you started off with? And obviously getting into this local community, it was, I'm, I'm sure it was definitely hard to well, start up. Yeah, right? no, it's, it's, still a, it's still a daily grind, pardon the pun, uh-huh. uh, for coffee. But, uh, yeah, when we got in here, um, this is the area around here in the Silver Heights area. There's a lot of uh, elderly people, so a lot of retired seniors and whatnot. And, uh, you know, we kept doing that, and we were still doing the coffee fundraiser, and it, it took a lot of grinding. Like, we would go, you know, door-to-door with our menus and different types of things, and, and eventually, over time, we kind of got a bite into the market here, and then we've, we really developed a pretty loyal clientele that comes in here on a daily basis. And then, obviously, as you know, everyone's been dealing with this last year, we've had to reinvent ourselves, per se, and kept chugging along. I think that's what people do during this pandemic. You see so many people who... <laughs> you know, we're doing so well and aren't able to adapt. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> oh, no, it's, uh, yeah, we've been good because the thing is, too, like, you can see, like, we only have, you know, at, at max, we have two to three people working here at a time. So it's not like, if you're running a full-on restaurant, mm-hmm. you know, like, say, the size of the keg or those kind of places, and I mean, you got to turn a lot of dollars just to keep the place going, right? So, I mean, we're fortunate that we were able, we can pivot and go pretty quickly in different directions. So that's kind of helped, and we don't have, you know, the overhead that some of those big operations will have. Like, I have a friend of mine, I don't know, Nick Zeffirelli owns Nicolino's sure. on Pamela Highway. And, I mean, Nick, you know, he's been in business a long time. And, like, he said, like, the weekends are good, but he says the weekdays are just terrible. Like, how long this can keep going if they can, you know, make it through. So that's that's the challenge, no question. <laughs> yeah, so, like, it, that, I'm sure getting into this market wasn't easy. Like you said, no. you had to go knock and yeah. Not, what was that grind like for you? No pun intended. <laughs> well, it was, it's tiring. And it's, I mean, it's stressful too. I mean, because it's like everything. I mean, you obviously, we, you invest a lot of money in these places, right? To, the capital cost to open a restaurant is pretty big. Like, I mean, it's, cause this place used to be a bank. This was a Royal Bank. Okay. That's where you can see that the back there, you can see the vault door. So that's where the office is there. That's, that's, where, where, we keep, you, that's where we keep all the cash. The coffee. That, that's where he keeps the coffee beans <laughs> from Costa Rica. Yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we had to do, we did most of the labor in here ourselves, um, but it's expensive, like, to, you know, even, you know, buying all, I mean, the, most of our chairs and tables are downstairs and all that stuff, but, yeah, it's uh, it's hard, no question. So, what's it like not seeing your daily customers walk into the store anymore? And Very strange. Yeah? Like, because, it, it, I mean, there's people, um, as I mentioned, we have a lot of seniors that come in here, mm-hmm. and for them, this is kind of like their second home. Sure. And they come in, and, and it, like, you can almost set your clock to the time they roll in every day. And we've had customers that really have become friends of ours. Like, you guys are way too young to remember this. But there used to be a show called Cheers on TV. Okay. And it was a, situated at a bar in Boston. And these guys would walk in, and when Norm would walk in, everybody would go, hey, Norm! Like, it was, it was kind of like that. So there's a lot of yeah, customers yeah. that we have. Like, when they walk in, you know them by a first-name basis. Like, we have – it's pretty cool. We have a Herb – Chairman who lives just down the street here on Fiddler. Uh-huh. He's 97 years old, wow. and he's a World War II veteran. He's a pilot in the, wow. uh, in the World War II, and his job, he was actually 
position they they were around Iceland and what his job was to do was any basically German submarines or boats that were coming over they had to blast them out of the sky they were flying this, this it was like a flying boat basically okay and this guy's 97 still drives his car doesn't have hearing aids has no glasses uh-huh. and herb comes in here like every day and actually they just renamed the street down here now it's called herb chaman way Really? So, I mean, these are the kind of people, and we had Tom, actually that picture right there, you can see behind the, the light. Yeah, we'll put it up for you guys. <laughs> yeah, so Tommy was uh, a retired firefighter. Okay. Lived just down, probably about a mile that way, down towards the river. Uh, and Tom walked here twice a day, and he used to refer to this as his office. So he would meet friends here. One of the coolest dudes you'd ever meet. Tom was in here, he was sitting right over there in the corner. Yeah. Came in here in the morning, and I was, you know, I'd say, hey, Tom, and then that night... Uh, actually, Scott Field or Scott uh, Gillingham, who's the city councilor for this area. Sure. So Scott comes in all the time, and Scott texts me in the middle of the night, and he says, "Oh my God, Tom died. He was oh. mowing his grass, and he had a massive heart attack and died." Okay. So I mean, the, and these are you know like there's been a few other guys that they they just they're in here all the time, and I mean it's kind of like you know and, the, and like, because of their age, obviously, I mean they you know we're all gonna die, right? True. But these guys, some of them are up in their 80s and. 90s and some of the ladies come in and stuff and all of a sudden one day they're here and one day they're not and it's kind of sad like well not kind of, it's very sad because they become your friends right you see them on a day-to-day basis i mean it's not everybody we have in here is seniors but we <laughs> do have a, a group of them that you know that are in here all the time yeah so you develop that clientele and then you just see them every day right? yeah and they become part of your life and i guess the thing is here like are, are we becoming millionaires running this place god no not even close but it, like my wife was just saying to me the other day like she goes you know might be getting rich running this place, but man, we've met a lot of cool people, yeah. and we and we really have. Like, and that's, you know what? I mean, I'm 55 years old now. I mean, I'm not ancient, but I'm not young. Yeah. And you, you start to realize the importance of uh, of touching people and meeting people and and all that kind of cool stuff. So that, that's kind of the good fortune of running a place like this, and that stuff's gold, man. Like, you know, it really is. Wow. We we always talk about that uh, legendary status where it's not always uh, about the money you make or mm. the amount of materialistic things you have. It's about the in people that you impacted. And yeah. I feel like you built the community around this place, right? Yeah. You, you consider mm. those people as your family. They, they are. They certainly are. And you know, we've had L Pick, who was another guy who was in here. And L, this, this dude was in phenomenal shape. I was stunned when he died. But this, this guy, the Camino, it's not, I used to call it the L Camino, but the Camino Walk, mm-hmm. which is, you go in, it's in Spain. And L walk, it's it's close to, I think they walk like about 60, 80 kilometers a day. Wow. And okay. he did this for, like this walk, I guess. It's it's kind of a, like a religious walk. These right. people. And it's not like down streets all the time either, right? And L did this, and he, I think it was about 10 days they walked. It was like every day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and L would have been, you know, I think he was in his late 70s. And he was going to do it again. And this guy walked like every day. It was funny. In the wintertime, he'd walk. And he'd sit, like, where these chairs are, they're up front usually. Yeah. And he would come in here, and all of a sudden we'd find Al sleeping in the afternoon because he'd walk, like, 20 miles or something. <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, he was having a nap in the sunshine. But he would walk, it didn't matter what day it was, and he got up every day at, you know, about 5 a.m. And then he would actually, he would go meet some friend at a McDonald's down here because we weren't open yet. And then he would come here when uh, we would open at 7 o'clock, and he'd meet about four or five guys, and, like, John... Lives right across here. John would come in, and Steve, and these guys, and they'd always hang out and you know chat away. And L, we actually had him over at my mom's house for Christmas dinner, uh, probably like six or seven years ago, because his family 
aren't in town here anymore, so we had him over for dinner and stuff like that. So, yeah, you do. You build a lot of friendships and you meet a lot of cool people. And the thing is, it's cool because these are, you know, everybody gets all enamored with professional athletes and, you know, people that are maybe politicians or singers and songwriters and actors and all that stuff. But there's so many cool people that are just average Winnipegers that are, you know, you'd walk into down the street and, you know, you get to meet these guys and talk to them and some of the stories they have are phenomenal. They really are. Like you probably made, like, you've been in Winnipeg for a while, right? You I was born and raised here. Like I mentioned to you guys, like yeah. I, I, I grew up on Arden Avenue in St. Vitale. My mom's still there. Yeah. Graduated um, from the same school that we, uh, high school. Yeah. Shout out to See, if you go there, you can see a bad looking bowl cut from 1983 <laughs> on the uh, graduation pictures there. But we might have to, we might have to pay a visit just yeah. to see that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's actually, it's actually kind of funny because besides this, I actually coached the Winnipeg Rifles, a junior football team. Okay. Yeah. So we actually quite often, like, we practice St. Vitale where the Mustangs field is, but we practice at Dakota quite often. Yeah. I mean, now they have a turf field the there. When field? I was there, they certainly didn't. Yeah. But uh, it's actually kind of cool. Like, my life seems to come full circle, and that's, like, about a mile from where I grew up, like, on Arden, and so it's kind of neat. Crazy stuff, yeah. So what was that? Like, you built an atmosphere around here. You, you built a place. What was that starting? Like, the first day you opened, was, was business off the charts, or was it? Yeah, you know, you know what's funny? We had a, you know, because I read a book. So <laughs> I read a book once about opening a coffee shop. So anyways, we had a, like a soft opening of, we invited all our friends in to try stuff. So we had this place pretty full a couple days before, and we actually opened up right after Christmas. So right now, like we've been open 10 years where we, this, basically, I think like December 28th, I think we opened two yeah. days after Boxing Day or something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like when you open the first time, you know, you never know what's going to happen, right? Sure. And the thing is, I remember this old dude, he was watching us because we had paper on the walls and he would stop by and oh, yeah, I really hope this thing works out for you guys. Oh, yeah, you know. Like, and, uh, you know, people would come by, and they were always curious what was going on and everything else. And, yeah, when you open up, it, you do have that pit in your stomach going, oh, man, is this going to work? Like, oh. And it is it is scary. And it, But the thing is, it's it's amazing. Like, see, so you guys, how, how old are you guys? Like, 20? 20. Yeah, yeah. 20. I was going to say, you guys are really young punks, right? So, I mean, <laughs> I mean a, a decade to you seems like forever. Half my uh, life. Half yeah, my life. exactly. Right? But it, you'll be shocked at how fast 10 years will go by. Like, especially now that you guys are out of high school, you know, 10 years from now, how fast it'll, you'll go, holy crap, where did that go? And, it, and the thing is, the older you get, it seems like it speeds up faster and faster and faster and faster. So 10 years goes by in a blink of an eye, and, it, and it's, it's hard to believe that it's been 10 years. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, was I insane opening this place? Yeah, probably. I mean, I mean, like I said, we ain't getting rich doing this, but we're having <laughs> some fun. And... Uh, yeah, overall, it's been, it, like I say, because of the people, it's been super rewarding. And that's, and we've had, the other thing is, too, is that what makes us work, it's not me by any stretch. We have great staff, like Janessa's back there getting ready to open up. And we have uh, Cole, who's been here forever as well, and, and Janae, who does a great job, and Fran. Like, we've had, I, I've never in 10 years, I've never fired anybody. So you never, you've never had that? No, I've never had a bad staff member. And, I, and, I, and I, I know, especially in this industry, people sit there and think, oh, yeah, right, right. And this is the other thing I can tell you. I've never had anyone in 10 years blow a shift on me. Wow. Wow. That's loyalty. And the thing is, and they have, like, if, I mean, have they ever got sick? Yeah, but it's never, and when they're sick, they've legitimately been sick. And it's not like I, I don't, the store doesn't open up, and all of a sudden I come here and there's no one here. Mm-hmm. Like if there has been a handful of times when they've been ill or whatever, the opener, and they phone and we've got in here, but... 
they've been really good. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I mean, uh, lots of times people talk about people of your vintage, right? Mm-hmm. Being uh, not reliable and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Our kids today, when I say kids again, I'm 55. But I mean, I would say 20-year-olds, the teenagers, are, 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 they, are they lazy? No. I mean, are there lazy ones? Yeah, but there's lazy 40 and 50-year-olds too, right? Sure, yeah. So, but we, we've had tremendous kids, and most of them, almost everyone that I've hired has been a referral. Like, I, I've, I've actually, because Silver Heights, or uh, Sturgeon Heights is right over here too. Mm-hmm. So I know a few teachers over there, and if I didn't have, if I couldn't get a staff member, say, from a friend of the kids we presently had, I'd call a teacher over there, and they would, you know, say, oh, yeah, this, you know, this girl here is looking for a place or this guy and whatever, and, and that's kind of how I've got staff. Like, so I never really did, a, like, a cattle call where I'd say, hey, come see us, give me a resume. And we've had staff, and as a result of that, I think that's why they've been a lot of loyal because they're good people. So, so where did that experience came from? You said you ran, like, subways. So yeah. Did, did some of that experience transfer over to running this place? Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, you know, like, to learn the, the food business, so – Basically, in this business, in order to make money or at least not lose a bunch, you need to run your food costs at about, you know, say 33, 35%. Your labor needs in that 18 to 20 range. Then you got a shot to make some money, right? And the thing is, you learn that because, I mean, when you're in a franchise, everything's very methodical. It's like you got to hear boom, 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 boom. So we tried to follow a lot of those guidelines on how we did our food and labor and how portioning costs and all that kind of stuff so that we could make it. But the other thing we, we didn't want to do here is I don't want to be Tim Hortons. I never would want to be. Okay. Um, we wanted to do things authentic here. Like, so for instance, every, all the meat in here, we cook from scratch. So the roast beef, yeah. we cook it in store. The chicken, we cook it in store. I mean, obviously, and we don't buy, like, so nothing comes in. I mean, that's the thing when you're in the, in the Subway or McDonald's, you know, the, trucks the cisco trucks or the gfs trucks back up and yeah, yeah. You take most of the stuff is frozen and basically you thaw it out and yeah, yeah. You, know, you cook it in a microwave and let it roll right or whatever that's not the way we've operated here so everything we we make here is real mm-hmm. um so we're proud of that and uh and you know what we've had it's been interesting during this pandemic how the response we've had because uh, we advertise on radio like we do we work with 104.7 we have a bunch of contests it's a country station and and we've had a lot of contests and different things we've had with them, and, and that's gone over well. But, I mean, we, our social media feed uh, with our Instagram and our Twitter and Facebook, like Janessa is back there right now. Janessa takes care of all, a lot of the social media piece, and I run the Twitter thing. And one of the things we've done when this started is we did the uh, what we called Kitchen Karaoke. So with the kitchen karaoke, yeah. I'm a terrible singer. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I saw those videos yeah. on uh, yeah. Twitter. But I, but I'm moderately entertaining. Yeah. So so what happens is we we did those and actually we put out now over a hundred songs since March. Wow. Have you have you talked have you thought about TikTok? Well, you know what? We did talk about it. We did talk about it, but uh, I don't know. We kind of found this thing, and I don't know. Like I I mean I. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've seen TikTok a little bit, but yeah. I, I haven't, we haven't fallen into that yet, but I uh, haven't gone into that rabbit hole okay. yet, but uh, no, it's been good. That piece has been good. And I actually, when Twitter, 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 when the COVID started and like we could see it starting, like you're kind of getting nervous in March because you're going, holy crap, they're going to shut the doors here. Yeah, yeah. So we, or we, mostly me, um, if you, if you go further west in Woodhaven, there's a Dairy Queen and there's a church, there's an Anglican church there. Basically, we delivered flyers, over 5,000 flyers with our menu from there all the way to Deer Lodge. Mm. 
door to door to the houses. So we did a lot of that, you know, and then with the kitchen karaoke and all the different things we've been doing, we were able to, you know, get some traction and we had to reinvent because we did our own deliveries. Because this is the thing that, again, your, your listeners maybe aren't aware of. And I mean, you guys are all young dudes. So you and I have, so you know, I have kids your age. So my daughter's 20 and my son's 22. Okay. So I'm, I'm well versed in how you guys think. But, <laughs> but anyways. Uh, he thinks he knows us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think I know you. I know how you, you young knuckleheads operate. But anyways, with, uh, you know, with Skip the Dishes and DoorDash and all those kind of places. Like, see, yeah, they're good. And I think a lot of people think, and they are to an extent, but a lot of people think, you know, I'm, I'm shopping local. I buy stuff off Skip. I can help this restaurant or whatever else. The problem with this, as I mentioned to you before, if you look at how restaurants were run, if your food costs are 33 to 35%, your labor is about 20. Sure. Okay, so that's 55% of, like, so if you think about it, if you're buying a hamburger, a sub, a sandwich, whatever. So 55% of the cost of, like, what I'm pricing it at is already gone to that, right? Yeah. So what Skip the Dishes does is they take, and they're the highest of all of them, they take over 30% of the gross ticket. So let's say if you bought a $5 hamburger plus taxes, yeah, okay, they take 30% of the plus taxes. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. I yeah. Know that. Wow. So if you look at now, you so now, as I mentioned, 55, now you've taken another 30. That's 85% of that price of that hamburger is all in expenses right now. Wow. Okay. So you only get that. Then that's that stuff. But don't forget, we still haven't paid rent yet either, right? You He's know what I mean? Like, utility and you're through hydro and everything else. So this is what I'm saying is that people think they are helping. Yeah, they are. You get a small margin, very, very small. But this is why if you can, like what we've done is we've gone to a model where we do our own deliveries. Mm-hmm. And obviously then that 30% now goes to us instead of skip yeah. the dishes or DoorDash or whomever. So this is why it's important. If, if you know the companies have a delivery service, use them because it's, it's way, it helps the company way more, right? So, I mean, we don't – I got out of Skip the Dishes because, I mean, and again, I know they're a Winnipeg company. They started here. I mean, they've been since sold. But when we started, I think it was 18, and then it got to 30. Then they would add on these late charges because the driver – because they have these, you know, the thing, the, the drivers. Yeah. The driver's sitting in the parking lot, and your stuff wasn't ready. And they, Or the driver <laughs> would come in. And then say they have to go to the bathroom, and then we're getting charged late fees on top of the thirty. Oh, it was ridiculous. Wow. Like it was. That's why when you Stella's restaurant, like Stella's got away from them a long time ago, uh-huh. because of this, because there's no money. Sure. So basically, what you're doing is you're putting the, the product out the door, and you're just turning money, but you're not making any money off of it, right? So this is why we kind of got away from that. So the delivery piece through COVID has been uh, really, really good. So it's changed. That's the way, like say in, in normally. When this place was open, as it was before, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Public walks in, they buy a coffee and a muffin, and they buy a sandwich and whatever else. Yeah. You know, the transactions, the dollar transactions were much smaller, right? So let's say someone comes in, and they maybe buy, like, so they get a sandwich and a coffee, and they're spending eight or nine bucks, right? Well, now, typically now with a lot of the, the delivery stuff, we have higher tickets. So, like, now we're doing, like, a $30 order because... You know, they're at home and they order for their kid and whatever else, right? So it, the volume, the number of customers we see is down, but the average ticket price is up. Okay. So okay. so we've seen that. So I think, like with us, like what I'm hopeful about, which has been really cool, is the uh, Facebook, like the neighborhood Facebook group in St. James and in Charleswood. Okay. The people in there have been super nice to us, like in the sense of, oh, you got to try it. It was unbelievable. We just had this great milkshake there and blah, blah, whatever. 
So as a result of that, we've been getting a lot of new customers. So, you know, again, if this goes on forever, we're all in big trouble. But, uh, you know, if we get out of this thing in a reasonable time in the next month or two or whatever, mm-hmm. I think for us, or I might, at least I'm hopeful, is that we've got a number of new customers. So now when a lot of our older ones, because we don't, they don't necessarily order those guys, right? Sure. But what happens when they start coming back in the store and we've developed some new clientele, that this could be hopefully better for our business than it, you know, than it was pre-COVID. But again, that's still wait. We'll see how that all plays out. Of course. But yeah, we we always talk about that ability to adapt and change to your environment, yeah. right? Why it's so important, and I think you've done that really well. It's some people see COVID as a downfall of their business, right? Mm-hmm. And you've seen it. You've taken that opportunity, and you're like, I'm I'm gonna bust through this opportunity and yeah. make what I can of it. And I. And I think like your your marketing piece, you're getting onto Twitter, you're getting onto Facebook, mm-hmm. all that Instagram, it's phenomenal. Like you're getting, you're reaching the kids, you're reading like, our our audience. Yeah. Well, and that's why you know what I mean. Group. When you guys called me, this is one of the things too. Is that again, like when I look at our, we want to try to diversify our our, our audience too, right? Yeah. And I mean, we don't get tons of twenty year olds. We get we get them in here, mm-hmm. but we would like that's a market that obviously we want to get a more. Know, more of 20-year-olds walking in, and we do have more coming in, and we have more ordering. But it is something, again, like everything, we don't want to just be a place for seniors. We want to be a place for everyone, right? And that's yeah. kind of what we're trying to get at. So people say, like, um, you said, you mentioned, like, helping local. And yeah. one way is, like, using the delivery service. What other ways do you think people can, that would help locally as well? Um, you know, th- you know when you say that, like, I, one of the things we might, and again, we like to try to to walk the walk, right? So... My wife and I have made a pretty conscious effort um, since COVID started of at least once a week we order from a local proprietor, be it, you know, we've used uh, the burger place down the road, St. James Burgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ordered from, what's the name of the place now? Oh, gosh, I should know this. But anyways, it's in Charleswood here. It's uh, another restaurant we've gone to. And then Nicolino's we've ordered from. Like, so we try to, every week, try to buy something from someone else. And I think, you know, I think if it's, because, see, this is how advertising works. I think they say it takes about seven hits for t- if people have heard at least seven times, it starts to register in their brain. Yeah. Right? So what happens is, if you think about it, right now, if you guys, it was lunchtime, and you've heard McDonald's advertise eight million times, and Subway Arbor, and Tim Hortons, and so what happens is when you think about eating, those ones come to your head right away, right? Yeah. Because you've, you know, you've heard it over and over and over again. So one of the things you need to try to do, like as a, a consumer, I think everybody, you know, I think that people have done a very good job of this in Winnipeg is the, the shop local piece. And I mean, the more and more people, like I've heard, like they've, they've bought all their Christmas presents this year, that they've shopped local in restaurants. So when you think you want something for lunch, everyone is driven down whatever street it is they reside in, or by major, you know, streets in that area. You've driven by, you know, Jim's, whatever, pop, you know, pop and burger joint or whatever. Yeah. When you're, when you're thinking about something to eat, don't automatically, you know, just default to the, to the big international chains. Think about that place that you drove by, that you've been driving by for the last seven years. Mm-hmm. And go and try them out. Because yeah. the thing is, they'll appreciate Because at the end of the day, the character of a city is not defined by franchise. It's defined by independent operators. Because when you go to a, you know, if you go to a, a local... You know, whatever city, but you go to Calgary, Vancouver, or wherever you're going to go, Toronto. I mean, I can get Tim Hortons or I can get McDonald's, any city in the world, right? Yeah. But what happens is I can't get, you know, it might be a falafel place in this town or whatever it is, right? And the thing is, go and try it out. 
because that's that's the character, the grit of what you see in cities and what makes cities what they are. Because if we don't do that, you think about you know using the analogy of a hillbilly with uh, you know the with hardly any teeth. That's what it's going to look like on major cities in here on major streets. It's going to be a blight of black holes where all these independent operators were, and. And the thing is, people need to understand too, and, I, and I've bought it off there, and I, I, I know you probably have, like the Amazons and those places of the world. Yeah. The Amazons don't support your kid's baseball team, okay, or your kid's soccer team, or your hockey team, right? The independent companies do, and it's important that we support those people because they are, they're the backbone of our, of our city and our province. So that's, in, in a nutshell, that's how I would say what I should do. Right, and you, you started this company off of basically selling doing a fundraiser yep. for kids, right? Yep. Talk about that a little bit more. What was that? Uh, uh, sure. So what happens is like, you know, when we had the cough, you're thinking, well, how do you sell this stuff? Because it's hard to get in with retail. Like, let's say to get into a Safeway or Superstore, one of those places, mm-hmm. lots of cases you have to pay them like to get stuff on the, on the shelves, right? So it, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's expensive. And I mean, so it was, we're kind of like, how do we get into the market to sell the coffee? And we thought, well, you know what? Kids are always doing fundraisers for their gymnastics group or their hockey team, their football team, whatever it is. And bands go on trips and all that kind of stuff. So basically what I did is, actually I was fortunate, I got a listing of all the band operators in the province, or the band teachers in the province at the schools, and we emailed them. And so at the time, so basically when we started this, is that basically for every bag of coffee you sell, so we sell one pound bag of coffees, you can get five bucks for every bag you sell. So, I mean, if you think about it, you know, you, if not even without effort, yeah. most people have, especially if they're younger, they probably have both sets of grandparents, right? And they have a neighbor on each side of their house. So without effort, they've probably sold four or five bags right off the get-go. Now, if they actually make any kind of effort, they can go through there. So all of a sudden, now let's just say if, if a kid sold 10 bags, which isn't a lot, but let's say they, everybody sold 10 bags and you have a band of 100 kids, it's a thousand bags. That's five thousand dollars. Right there, yeah. Right, and it's easy. And the thing is, you got to remember, it's not like buying a raffle ticket or you sell chocolate bars. Okay, I love chocolate. I mean, I, on my deathbed, that would probably be one of my last meals. But everybody loves chocolate. But then you always go, oh yeah, but I shouldn't eat. It's not good for me, right? Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> everything else. And uh, so what happens? But with coffee, I think they say that seventy percent of all households brew like one pot a day. Right? Yeah. So coffee is not essentially, it's not a, a want. Right? It's really, a, you know, it's a need almost in a lot of houses. People need their coffee, right? Yeah, the so if they're going to buy coffee, why not buy this? And now you can, and then on top of that, I might, I might add, it's great coffee. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can make money so the kids can make cash for this for their band or their hockey team or whatever, mm-hmm. and they can have some good tasting coffee at the same time. So you said... Um, getting into the market was kind of difficult or sure you had to click through do you see competition with any other like local or even like the big chains like tim hortons and other oh for like sure that? like it, when we started like the tim hortons is on we're on portage mount royal and at the other end of ness yeah okay they put in tim hortons okay and i mean it's caused a lot of traffic jams over here actually they've had a lot of accidents there's people complaining about it but anyways, it, it, as soon as they came in, like, our business kind of went, woo! It was like, oh, my God. Uh-oh. And so it, it does scare you. But really, what we've tried to do, we're not Tim Hortons. We're not a drive through mm-hmm. okay? And one of the things, too, and it's interesting, McDonald's does this now. Very since the start, and then this is probably because of my subway, well, not it is, because of the subway background. You guys are too young to remember this. But 
Subway used to have a card, and you get stamps every time you bought a sub. Okay. And then when you filled your card, you got a free six-inch sub, right? Yeah. So one of the things that we've implemented here, and we did this right from the start, we have everyone gets a number. So you have a so if you're number one, all you can do is remember your number. Like it's kind of like a pin number for your bank or your yeah. whatever, right? And you tell us the number, and the till keeps track of that customer every time they buy a coffee. So after they've bought nine coffees, they get the tenth one free. Okay. So we try to build some loyalty that way. But the other thing is I think that separates us is the fact that we try to know our customers by name. Mm-hmm. And even though we don't know them by name, we know them by face because we've seen them, I don't know, however many times. Yeah, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know. And they'll come in and, you know, you have your little kibitzing where you're talking, you know, quickly about what's going on in the day. And because it's, it's an interesting thing, the phenomena of people feeling like they know when someone knows them and they care about them, right? Yeah. And I think that's how you uh, how you develop some loyalty, okay? Versus, you know, if you go through the drive-through, this is just some you know some person that's that's operating the drive-through. You don't know them, right? I mean, most cases, they, you know, you come through there and it's just some person, right? Yeah. So we try to differentiate ourselves here, and that's one of the conscious efforts we made with our staff is try to get to know them by name, introduce yourself, and talk to them. And as a result of that, we think we've had uh, some success that way. So for that young entrepreneur that's starting up and yep. uh, wanting to get into this business world, what is some pieces of advice that you could give to the young generations? Well, I would say this is that, again, above all else, you, if you want to work with customers, and this is something I think that everyone in their life should do. Everyone should work retail or in a restaurant. Why? Because you're dealing face-to-face with people. Yeah. And I think if there is something that maybe for people of your age that is harder is that is that because a lot of them are uncomfortable with it, right? And the thing is, because of the fact of the way typically you guys communicate now, you don't necessarily talk face to face with people. But that's the most important thing: is you need to talk face and be open and be friendly. You have to be a, pre, a people person if you want to work in this business. Mm-hmm. And then the second piece is, like I say, how you make money in the food business. It's about food and labor control, so you have to be very cognizant of that. But then develop a product, but try to get something that is different than everyone else, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we've done, like, say, with our food is typically everything's done from scratch. But the other thing, we have a product here. Like, our chocolate chip cookies are really, really good. We have a special thing we do to them that we don't tell anybody, obviously. But, <laughs> Put some uh, love, love in yeah, there. The <laughs> the <secret. laughs> but uh, you know what? We sell them. Like, people go crazy for them. And the thing is, it's funny. And, it's, and as a result of people loving those cookies then they give you an opportunity to you know me i'll buy a sandwich for them oh they have soup and we make all our soup from scratch oh yeah you know and so what happens is people go oh yeah like your food it tastes real like you know and that's one of the things we don't we don't ever want our stuff to taste like it came out of a freezer we want to taste like you know like there's been some love and some care put into to manufacturing it and making it and that's really what we try to do but the biggest thing i'd say is if you're going to do this, you got to be a people person and you got to put yourself out there and don't be scared of failing. And the thing is, like, if you're going to be an entrepreneur in anything, you can't be scared to fail because if you're scared to fail, you're just going to be paralyzed. And you try all kinds of things. And the other thing is, you know, like we talked about with the kitchen karaoke, don't be scared to make it to yourself. And, and you know what? Whatever it is, just have fun with it because at the end of the day, you get one twirl through this life. You may as well have some fun while you're trying to, you know, make your way through life. And that's kind of what we try to do here. That's touching. That's touching. That's good. That's a good piece of advice, especially for us. Where yeah. we take it to heart. Well, no, that's good. I mean, you guys. This is obviously you guys have some passion for what you're doing here, and yeah. and you're doing a good job. And again, just keep plugging away. And the thing is, you know what? 
a lot of people are going to tell you, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you won't be successful. Ah, don't listen to those people. Uh-huh. You know, if you if you believe in your heart, this is what you'd like to do, and and you, you enjoy it, keep hammering away at it. And you know, it's it's about persistence. Everything in life is about persistence. It's always it's easy to give up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone can go and curl up in a ball and suck their thumb and feel sorry for themselves, but just keep going. Just keep putting one foot ahead of the other. Well, I think on that note, I think that wraps it up for the podcast part. Thank you so much for watching, viewing, listening to our podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to check us out on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the UMFM radio at 101.5 FM every Tuesday at 1130 AM. And make sure to come, come over here, get some coffee from San Vito, and make sure to check them out. And uh, thank you so much. Peace. Thank you. I think that's the end of it. All right. Thanks, guys. I-